push the boundaries of you know what creative you're putting out there whether it's copy or or actual you know videos and images and all that sort of stuff Welcome to Honest E-Commerce, where we're dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and I believe running an online business does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, Electric Eye is here to help. To apply to work with us, visit electriceye.io slash connect to learn more. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honesty Commerce. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And today, we welcome to the show uh, uh, Paul. Paul is coming to us from Shoelace. But why I kind of stumbled over that whole intro real quick was actually, it's the first time we've ever had a guest uh, from the same company or a repeat guest on. So I'm going to call you a repeat guest, uh, even though you're not, uh, just because it, it, we're learning a lot more about the company and about just the state of e-commerce and, and Facebook ads. I'm going to stop talking. Welcome to the show, Paul. <laughs> that was quite the intro. Thanks for having me, Chase. Yeah, you know, I just I like to ramble sometimes. I've drank a lot of coffee. Working from home gets you wild. So let's <laughs> let's get into it. Well, it is St. Patrick's Day. You sure it's just coffee? Uh, we'll see. It, it is the afternoon now. <laughs> right on. Alrighty. So for those of uh, the, our listeners that are unfamiliar with uh, what Shoelace is, what Shoelace is about, uh, you just want to give the elevator pitch real quick. Yeah. So essentially, uh, Shoelace is. Uh, retargeting platform for e-commerce companies uh, on Shopify, essentially an app or plugin, however you want to phrase it, for the Shopify platform. We specialize in retargeting, and you know, just so your listeners are aware, we're recently launching or have recently launched uh, prospecting as well. So we're getting into that avenue of advertising as well, but uh, primarily we're known for our retargeting. Cool. I want to talk about prospecting here in a minute. I want to talk about retargeting now. So you know, the easiest way for those like the 100 level way to understand a funnel the way I like to explain it is kind of your typical three step funnel is that where you guys begin with your explanation or do you add a few more steps uh how does your funnel kind of work out when you're explaining how the funnel works in regards to the software you guys offer yeah so essentially kind of how we layer it is you know um we've kind of dubbed the term customer journey retargeting you know where you might see a more traditional funnel with other businesses we really like to expand that funnel a little bit more segment those audiences as much as we can. Obviously, it's dependent on the business and the audience sizes and that sort of thing. You know, We don't want our audiences to be too small because then otherwise, uh, Facebook really limits who you can target and how much spend and all that sort of good stuff. But essentially, yeah, we just want to help customers or stores in this case, you know, segment their audiences better. That way, you're not essentially showing the same message over and over and over to people in a really broad audience. Uh, that way, whether they viewed a product page in the last two to three days, they're seeing one message. If they see if it's been, you know, seven plus days that they've been to that page, they're seeing a different message and so on and so forth. The further they get down the funnel, different messages they see and kind of, you know, if they're not engaging, then they're seeing at least a new message and not just the same retargeting DPA ad over and over and over for 30 40, 60 days. I'm going to just play dumb here. Why is that a bad thing? Why is it, you know, they're, they're seeing my brand, they're seeing my ad. Why is it a big deal? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, if you think of it from just being someone who probably shops online, first of all, it's just annoying, right? If you're seeing the same ad because you added an item to the cart or viewed a product page over and over and over again, uh, you know, those frequencies can get pretty high, which obviously drives up the costs of your advertising and can probably just annoy the consumer as well. So if we're going to be hitting them, you know, daily, every couple of days, whatever it is, 
uh, we want to make sure that they're seeing a new fresh ad from you, a new message, or maybe you know a new spin on on an old message, that sort of thing, to help with those frequency levels and just help reduce costs all the way through. Absolutely. And then just to kind of clarify what the shoelace has been doing historically, back to kind of what I was talking about, kind of like the top, middle, and bottom of the funnel. You guys were kind of started in the middle to the bottom of the funnel was like the part that your software was owning and that's where the expertise was. Now you know you've added in the top of the funnel with prospecting. How recently did you do that? We're recording this in March, uh, but how recently was that? Yeah, so it's very recent. Um, you know, there are customers that we had that came to us uh, that we we're doing retargeting for, and they just either didn't trust who they were working with before, or had issues. Maybe they were trying to do prospecting themselves, and it just wasn't working out. And they just essentially pleading with us to handle our the prospecting for them. And where we had capacity, you know, we did it. And for the most part, we had you know some advertisers that were comfortable doing it, people on our team that were comfortable with it, that sort of thing. And just the demand just kind of grew and grew, and it obviously didn't make sense to be turning away customers, and you know specifically people that are already paying us for a service, just adding another service or you know another part of a service to what we're doing for them. So we decided to roll it out this year, and it's just kind of been a slow rollout. We've basically just been attacking for the most part the customers that we're already servicing, and then now our sales team is really making a push to new customer acquisition. Yeah, that's amazing. I will be very transparent and honest. In the past, I would recommend Shoelace to certain brands that were hitting you know, a certain threshold. And I would say, I'd be like, they are very, very good for retargeting. And you know, they're kind of the middle and the bottom. And they're going to get you some good returns. But they don't do prospecting. So now I have to kind of correct myself <laughs> moving forward. I'm, I'm excited about that. So now, before we talk about how it works, I think we should talk about how Shoelace works, where it's how much of it is the technology and how much is it you know, the customer service reps. I don't know how, how you guys refer to your team members that help these, these accounts as well. Yeah. So uh, we refer to them as account strategists. I mean, account strategists, uh, ad strategists, account managers. You know, There's lots of different lingo for it. Uh, on our team, we just use account strategists. So we have different offers uh, dependent on the customer and you know their monthly spend and you know basically all the requirements that they would need. Uh, we have different offers for them. Kind of our core client is what you'll see, you know, our pricing on the Shopify app store and on our website, that sort of thing. And that's you know I guess the more regular clients that we have. It's kind of that in between where you know they're doing some prospecting, they're they're doing some advertising. But they really don't understand retargeting at that point. And, you know, maybe they're small teams, they don't have someone with that expertise on their team. So they look for us for that help. Uh, and then we offer the higher end stores, people doing millions of dollars of revenue monthly and spending tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars in ad spend in a month. We have services for them as well. Those are a little bit more customized and just a little bit more of a niche audience for us. Um, definitely something that we're growing with prospecting. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. Sorry, I lost my train of thought there. No, 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 no. You were you definitely not. I kind of wanted to just maybe I'm I think about it the wrong way. I just want to clarify it for myself and for the audience listening that it is the combination of the strategist and the product that you have. Yeah, sorry. That helps get to get these results, right? Yeah. It's not just one or the other. Yeah. So that's the thing is that we we essentially use our product as kind of the 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 tool that gets them in the door. They see it and you know, the, you can uh, we can set up the ads and the different targeting. All the information is within the app. 
customers can review it. They can approve things. They can make edits if they want within the app as well. Uh, kind of depends on how kind of hands-on they want to be with the approach. And then, you know, there's other clients as well that get to a certain point where using our app actually doesn't make sense for them anymore. So we essentially become like more of a traditional agency where we use our tool for some parts of the uh, of the process, but not for everything. Sometimes it might make more sense just to create ads in the actual ads manager account and use it that way. But it definitely helps with like approvals, ad approvals and editing, um, you know, customer communication, that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Now, uh, w- with yourself being kind of on the senior end of that spectrum, do you find yourself working with more of these higher end enterprise deals that you have going on? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the customer that I would be working with is more the the higher end. I guess you could claim, uh, you know, spending multiple thousands of dollars a, a month, whether that's in the tens or hundreds of thousands. And yeah, that's, I guess, the area that I specialize in, uh, having come from past agencies and been in kind of the agency and advertising business for close to 10 years. Uh, that's where I try to come in and provide expertise for the clients and then also for our team as well, wherever I can be of use. So how excited are you to use Shoelace's app instead of Facebook Business Manager half the time? <laughs> it really depends. I mean, uh, obviously, I think anyone that would be listening or has done advertising with Ads Manager can know that it can be a huge pain in the, in the arse and definitely has its ups and its downs. Our software is definitely fairly easy to use and pretty straightforward. And like I mentioned before, it's really good for you know ad approvals and edits and optimizations and all that sort of stuff. You know, we have a dashboard within our platform that allows you to see results. So that's pretty cool. So you know, customers can go in there and check the results and see things if they're not uh, comfortable or familiar with uh, you know looking at the data within Ads Manager. Yeah, I just I just wanted to make a joke at business manager's expense. It's literally <laughs> the bane of my project manager's existence. I know. I, I you know what I was trying to uh, not rip into it too much, but uh, yeah, I mean it's a, it's a pain in the ass. Yeah, it's uh, so yeah. Anyone listening uh, to get good at Facebook ads, you will learn that you are a victim to their tools. The strategies and stuff are all the same, kind of, but like the rest of it's just like, all right, well, we have to work within these weird confines. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's get more into kind of just like the outlook of things. So we're doing this podcast at the beginning of 2020. Yeah. What do you see kind of happening in Facebook and Instagram advertising this year? Yeah. So I mean there there's lots of stuff to be, you know, uh March 17th, we're doing it in the mid of the whole coronavirus, COVID nineteen melee. So that's kind of having a pretty big effect, I think, overall, uh, just in terms of, you know, cost of advertising. I promised to a friend that I wouldn't mention that CPMs are going down, but CPMs are going down because everybody's reducing their spend for the most part. Um, you know, we're seeing changes uh, in most accounts uh, with ad spend and, and just results overall. But I think uh, with items specifically that are kind of replenishable, and things like cosmetics, we haven't really seen the effects of anything so far. Uh, you know, whereas if you're looking at a company that does sells clothing or jewelry, you might see a little bit some bigger drops in performance, uh, just because those are things that people probably aren't worried about buying at the moment. Uh, so definitely, that's having some some impact on the Facebook advertising in general. And then coming up for 2020, I think just the biggest thing that we can see and that we're looking forward to is mostly just like people getting really creative with advertising. You know, these platforms aren't as young as they used to be. I know they're still really good for 
getting started and, and finding audiences and finding people to purchase. But you know, there's there's just ads everywhere, whether it's on Facebook and Instagram or other platforms, like people are just inundated with ads. So you really have to get creative and kind of push the boundaries of you know what creative you're putting out there, whether it's copy or or actual, you know, videos and images and all that sort of stuff. Traditionally what we're seeing, the more traditional ads, you know, like a basic DPA and that sort of stuff just isn't working as well as it used to. So just seeing the different ways that advertisers are going to make those changes and, you know, possibly take chances with advertising like they would with organic content. I really like something that you said there where you're excited to see how people get creative. And I think that is one of the biggest differentiating factors between Facebook and Instagram and a more traditional, uh, say, like Google AdWords was uh, where you had the whole creative element to it. Yeah. And now you see that too with the new, you know, the new ones on the block. You got the Snapchats and the TikToks. And uh, you know, Pinterest is a is a unique hybrid between the two. Uh, they'd hate if I said that, you know, but it's kind of where I see it. Um, but yeah, it's the it's the creative element of it. So I guess uh, from your opinion, you're managing multiple thousands of ad spins. What do you see as far as creative goes? Like, what is working for the clients that are spending the most and seeing the better returns as far as like how they approach creative? Yeah. So it, it, I mean, I, I hate I hate to give this as an answer, but it it really depends. But for the most part, I think the biggest change that we're seeing is that you don't have to have a big budget to find winning creative, um, you know, specifically within, uh, Instagram and like stories placements, for example, uh, we're seeing a lot more clients go to or customers go to kind of inorganic look and feel to their content. So like similar to what you'd see, uh, brands post on their channels organically, you're seeing some of the, some of that content translate well to advertising. So you don't need to go out and have shoot, you know, product and lifestyle images for three days and then go in the studio and create videos and images and all that sort of stuff. You can literally use your phone and create organic content, save it, you know, put it in an ad and get the same results. You know, it's not going to work for everyone every time. Uh, but that's what we're seeing is that content doesn't have to be this huge production that it used to be in the past uh, to really stand out. And that's probably the biggest for someone like myself who's creatively deficient, we'll say, uh, in terms of creating content on my own. Uh, there's so many tools that are easy to use. And seeing that, you know, that kind of organic look and feel the content can really make an impact. I think that's really beneficial. That way, it just kind of lowers the bar for anyone getting into this. I just want to double down there. Uh, we had a client last month in the best performing, like, and by a long shot, the best performing ad that we had going on last month was just a selfie video that she recorded on her phone in like five minutes because she's like, we just need something for now. And she did it. And uh, that worked better than the other stuff. Um, it's, yeah, there's something about the authenticity of it. And it also goes into this the whole like, you don't know until you try it. You got to test it, put it out there, and figure it out. That's 100% it. And it, it really depends on your audience too, right? Like if you're posting content that looks like that all the time and the content is landing, then why wouldn't you use that in your paid media? If you only have glamour shots and the most highly produced content and it does really well, then yeah, you know, holding a camera to your face and you, doing UGC might not work as well for you. But exactly that. I mean, we're just the type that we, we'll try to test everything, whether it's content, creative calls to action, whatever it is. You don't know in, until you try it. And that's the biggest thing. Let's be honest today. 
all of your customers are going to have questions. And what are you doing to manage all those questions? Do you have a help desk for your business? One of our sponsors of today's episode is Gorgeous. And Gorgeous is the number one rated help desk for e-commerce. It integrates seamlessly with Shopify. We have installed it on a bunch of stores. It's also used by brands like Movement and Rothy's. And what it does is it takes all of your customer insights and information, brings it into one amazing dashboard so you can solve their problem as quickly as possible. If you want to give Gorgeous a try, visit gorgeous.link slash honest. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S dot L-I-N-K slash H-O-N-E-S-T to get your second month free. And you brought this uh, up in like the pre-show notes here. We have a great question here. So I'm a smaller brand and we have a limited budget. And this year, I want to improve my ads. And you you pose this question as is it more important to hire a copywriter or a graphic designer? And I'd love to I'd love to just riff on that for a minute. Yeah, I, I definitely think that from my perspective, like I said, I'm not the most creative person in the world when it comes to you know creating an image or a quick video or anything like that. But I think there's so many tools available to you. You know, I mentioned Canva and apps similar to that, and even just using uh, the platforms, you know, like Instagram on your phone and making content right there and saving it to your phone for later. Uh, I just think there's so many options for people that aren't, you know, graphic artists uh, to create content. And then I would probably go the route of a copywriter just because, you know, everything's where you can put copy on an ad is just diminishing. You know, they, I think they cut it off at three lines or even less sometimes I feel like for the, the see more button on, on Instagram ads. So you just, you have such a limited space to put any sort of copy or messaging that I think, you know, that that's something that I would personally struggle with a lot more than creating, you know, maybe an, an image ad or something like that. I, I would take that question and I would probably say if your budget is that limited, uh, you'd be better served to invest that money in yourself and getting some education to like learn that skill. <laughs> so then you aren't, you know, on the hook for it yeah. uh, until you scale to the point where you don't like where it's obviously your time is better served elsewhere. Yeah. And I think, I mean, in terms of copywriting too, that really reflects that can that can improve, you know, your website, your email, you know, a whole bunch of other marketing materials as well. So um, I, I, I could just be biased because copywriting's always kind of been a, a power that I've never had sort of thing. So um, I, I think that's probably why I lean that way. So getting back to Shoelace, let's start to talk about when would an app like Shoelace or a partnership like Shoelace make sense to a brand starting, I guess, on the lower end of stuff. What are your thoughts on when it's a good time to get into paid media for you know an up and coming brand? Yeah, I mean, I think whenever it makes sense for your business, you know, like they'll know before us whether you know there's a certain amount of their budget that they're willing to spend into paid media. You know, if you're a brand new to paid media. You know, I, I, would, I would look at how much money are you willing to burn at first, uh, because when you're starting off, obviously it's harder to get uh, those returns. Uh, specifically with Facebook advertising, you know, if you don't have any data on your pixel and that sort of stuff, uh, it just makes it a little bit more difficult. And then when to get into possibly, you know, partner with Shoelace. I mean, if you're looking for someone to handle, I mean, obviously we're uh, we're big with retargeting. And uh, you know we mentioned the prospecting earlier, but for someone to partner with you and truly like help you get established and figure out the best ways to tackle those audiences and those different segments, then that's where we would be able to come in. Uh, you know, if you're dealing with really small budgets, you know it might be something where you could look at. We have some smaller integration packages and 
stuff like that where you know people can kind of get started and 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 have a little bit of help figuring it out um and then once they're able to scale up a little bit then we have like i mentioned before we have kind of our core customers and then kind of our uh, you know vips if you will that you know you get a lot more hands-on and you get those account strategists and people to help you with the strategy behind the advertising not just um you know here's the here's an app that can power your store absolutely i you mentioned something in that that i want to just bring up here and it's if you're just getting started you have no data on your pixel which means like you don't have any traffic that's at your site like you have just launched this brand i would a like when you said like how much money are you willing to burn like that is not like a far off statement it is very hard to find a profitable uh, prospecting audience that's going to turn out money on the other side, especially now more than ever. Like you said earlier, you said like it's a lot more mature of a platform. Um, you know, it's it's so hard to find a profitable top of the funnel campaign, especially for a brand that has no kind of track record going for it. Um, so I just wanted to kind of like preach the truth there to try to help people understand that it's a hard cookie to crumble. I don't know. That's not even a phrase. <laughs> I think uh, I think you're. I, I understand where you're going with that one. I, I agree. It was not a phrase, but uh, yeah, like you know, I do a little bit of freelance work, and I work with some uh, small medium um, e-commerce companies here um, in Canada. And yeah, that's one one thing that I kind of talk to them about when they first get started is you know like if we got absolutely zero return, what are you okay to spend? And it's not going to, you know, crumble your business or anything like that. Yep. Um, and, th- and that's just a conversation I like to have with people up front. Uh, I'm not saying that you're going to lose all that money, but there is a chance in the early stages that you're not going to see great returns. So, are you comfortable with that? And is that something that you can afford to do? Oh, absolutely. You have to set the expectations, and that actually tees me up for what I also wanted to say here is I would be wary of any freelancer, consultant, agency, or even app that will guarantee you something in a return when it comes to any form of advertising. Yeah. Especially at that stage. You can have a good feeling about stuff when a brand's a little more mature. You can have a good feeling about things. You like you got some data here. All these attributes point to this is probably going to be successful. Um, but anyone that starts guaranteeing stuff, uh, especially for young brands and startups, I would be so cautious of working with them. Yeah, that's definitely something that we <laughs> that I and Shoelace doesn't want to do. Even sometimes when we put out, you know, everyone builds marketing materials that have like really great data behind them and that sort of thing. And um, I'm always very cautious about talking about that because those are usually best case scenarios, right? Like I like to see, you know, like sometimes we'll put out content and it's, you know, the average of you know, an entire year as opposed to like, hey, we ran this one campaign and got, you know, uh, 35 ROAS on a campaign. But what you don't know is that, you know, the customer is offering 40% off or something like that. Yeah. No, I mean, we got a return on ad spend the other week of 42% on something. And, you know, that was a fluke. If you looked at the blended, yeah, uh, I think it was like down to like seven or something like that. And she was also doing a sale and she got a bump in traffic from some other source. So yeah, definitely take some of the numbers with a grain of salt. Yeah, for sure. There's always an asterisk, right? Yeah. I mean, I just, that just comes to how honest you want to be in this business. Uh, it, it's You can take data and manipulate it to say anything you want, which is like kind of 
a weird I thing to think about here. Um, so we like we like to focus on certain KPIs at the agency, uh, but like in, whenever we start relationships with clients, it's always like you gotta like we're gonna explain what these KPIs are. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure that you're comfortable with what we think the goal should be, and like set expectations of like this is what we think can happen. Are we all okay with finding out? <laughs> yeah, that's a great that's a great way to put it. And you know, I think it's it's the same thing. Whether it's uh, you know, depending on whatever KPIs you're tracking and, and you know that your clients or the businesses you're working with want to track, as long as everyone's aligned and open and honest about that in terms of communication, like, you know, don't get me wrong. And you know this as well, that, you know, there's going to be some weeks, some months, some quarters where you're not hitting expectations. Uh, but when it comes down to that, if you're managing those expectations and you're communicating that with your clients, just like we are right now, right? In the middle of, you know, the COVID-19 stuff, like we have clients where, you know, ROAS is dropping and there's not a whole lot we can do to avoid it besides, you know, reducing ad spend and trying to work on other things that might be able to help them. But the fact of the matter is, is it's something that's going to affect their business. It's going to affect the results. And if you're communicating that often and being clear about it, then usually there isn't a problem. Oh, absolutely. It's, I think communication helps with just any, any business relationship, just being more communicative. You know what's funny though is I remember us setting up this podcast uh, and and why we were going to talk was something that we didn't actually talk about today. So uh, I'm going to bring it up real quick here towards the end. Sure. Uh, you guys produced a, an amazing piece of content last year, uh, and you put it out a few weeks ago. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners haven't haven't uh, heard of it yet. Um, but you made an amazing guide. Do you want to kind of talk a bit more about what you guys put together? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, our, our sales and marketing team put together. A guide called the seven biggest lessons in social retargeting. And essentially what we learned from running over 10,000 campaigns in 2019 was kind of the basis of it. Um, and yeah, I mean, it goes through everything from, you know, AB testing and direct response, advertising, copywriting, what we kind of talked about before in terms of like how reduced that, that area for copy really is, you know, audience fatigue touches a little bit on like CBOs and how that affects within your retargeting pools. You know, and then even there, you know, it mentions kind of one thing that calls out is Instagram, like using polls in Instagram ads. So that's like kind of what we talked about with, you know, using that organic look and feel to run advertising. So yeah, like really good resource. Obviously, it's available on our website, but just like really breaks down uh, a lot of things that we saw within retargeting in 2019. And just like a lot of good little pieces of information that I think brands could use and kind of use as, as a guide. Uh, going forward. Yeah. And that piece of content is free, 100% free. It's just go and download it and learn your face off. It's, it's I actually I, I read the whole thing. Uh, it was it was super eye opening. Makes me want to get back back behind the wheel of some of our ad accounts. <laughs> but I think uh, I think Ryan would uh, kick my butt if I did that. <laughs> yeah, there's a I mean, there's a whole other thing too. like we got a bunch of guides on that page. And some of them talk about um, you know, customer, some of the older ones are about customer journey retargeting, kind of like our whole philosophy on advertising. Like we were talking about before how like, you know, segmenting your audience more and adding more messaging to your retargeting. So people aren't getting fatigued by the same ads over and over and over again. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then to get those guide, uh, those guides, it's obviously going to be in the show notes, but it's uh, just shoelace.com spelled like it sounds slash guides. That's it. Awesome. Uh, Paul, if they want to get a hold of you uh, and ask you more about uh, you know any of these guides or you know what's going on with customer journey retargeting or just shoelace in general, uh, how do they get a hold of you? Anyone can just email me, Paul at shoelace.com. Uh, or you know, I'm trying 
you know, as many people are trying to up my personal brand, uh, on Twitter, uh, I believe it's just at Paul Bruce underscore, uh, Bruce is my middle name. I think that's it. That's what you put here in the show notes. Yeah, (laughs) that's, that's it. Yeah. Everyone asks me why it's Paul Bruce and it's because it's my middle name. And at first when I joined social media, I didn't want anyone to find me. So Paul Bruce is my, uh, is my name on all social platforms. Awesome. Well, Paul Bruce, thank you so much for joining us today. (laughs) I appreciate a lot. Thanks for having me. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their journey and knowledge with us today. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our businesses. Links and more information will be available in the show notes as well. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, feel free to reach out and learn more at electriceye.io slash connect. Also, make sure you subscribe and leave an amazing review. Thank you.